Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hello, James. Hello. And our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Andy. Uh, happy Easter Monday to you, Ian. Oh, thank you. Uh, giving away there when we've recorded this immediately. Thank you, Andrew. Well, the fa- um, people, <laughs> people should know it's hot off the presses in digital terms, I think. Do, do they have presses in digital terms? Hot exactly. off the buttons. Hot off the local area network as I am sometimes called. Anyway, James, me and you were at West Bromwich Albion yesterday. We saw Liverpool, well, I was going to say snatch a 1-0 and It wasn't really like that, was it? It certainly scrapped for it, worked hard for it, but ultimately I thought they deserved it. Do you agree? I do. Yeah, not very often I do agree with you, but on that one I do. Um, I thought it was fully deserved. It, you know, it wasn't It wasn't much of a spectacle, was it? I think when you, when you go back your, from your notes on the game, uh, you think you know, not actually that much really happened. It was you know, It was a frenetic... And chaotic last couple of minutes in stoppage time, when obviously partly fueled by Ben Foster, uh, is uh, brilliant. Wasn't it? Is, what, what he was doing up, up he, field. Was, he was West Brom's um, best midfielder at the time, yeah. and then obviously Moreno's absolute horror miss. Um, Can but, we just stop here for a second? Was it a horror miss? Yes, was it an absolute what, for horror a professional miss? footballer not to be able no, to put I'm a ball asking, in an empty I'm, net I'm from thirty-five you. yards I'm out? I'm asking you, was it a horror miss? Yes, because there was there was nothing difficult that he had to do. He didn't have no. to sort of go round or over anything. He had an empty goal. He just had to roll he, it in. He had to he had to pass it into into an open goal. So what we surmise from that is that Alberto Moreno is not Xavi Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thankfully it was only a footnote. On the afternoon, wasn't it? Um, it wouldn't have been if West Brom, with one of those long, hopeful punts into the box, had scraped a, a last gasp equaliser. But um, that would have massively flattered them. Um, you know, I thought defensively, Liverpool were were magnificent. Really, uh, you know, Mignolet one big save from Phillips um, late on. But you know, more than that, you know, his general performance was was excellent. The way he he commanded his box, punched really well, came for crosses, was bold and decisive. Um, you know, it didn't really click too much Liverpool as an attacking force, but I think partly that was also due to just how many bodies West Brom had behind the ball, and you know, they they were it was crazy just how they they never put any pressure on the ball whatsoever. They let Liverpool have, you know, I think Liverpool had seventy percent of the ball in the first half, just stood off, challenged them to break them down, and. It took Liverpool a long time to, to find the breakthrough. Now, what did you call Tony Pulis, by the way, in your match report? The baseball-capped bogeyman. <laughs> I thought that was quite a good line, actually. Uh, Andy, you were watching it from the office. I was. Uh, what, what did you make of Liverpool in terms of going forward in the second half? Because Tony Pulis, after the game, said he thought you know, Liverpool had chances to pick, to pick West Brom off. And uh, Jurgen Klopp said he played a lot better in the second half. And key to that was you know, Roberto Firmino. He got the goal, but... An awful lot of what he did, again, passes under the radar. But, he, you know, James James gave him his man of the match. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he was the fans' man of the match on, on the club site as well. And, um, yeah, he was. He has those games for me you know, where he does everything. And one of those was yesterday. Obviously, he gets the crucial thing, which is the goal. But he also, I think he, he collected more sort of loose balls than anyone else on the, on the pitch 10, I think. Um, he was involved in um, almost... You know, loads of defensive work, working hard, but also was um, created several chances. I mean, he put one on a plate for James Milner, didn't he? Uh, with an absolutely lovely bit of running down the right side and a lovely pass. And uh, it was one of those games where everything was, was going well for him. And obviously he was withdrawn from the first half 
of Stoke last week because of Klopp being concerned about his fitness and things were catching up on him. But came off the bench to score the winner then and the winner yesterday. And um, he's in he's in a really good way at, at the minute. And um, it, it's strange, isn't it, when he plays like that, sometimes frustrated by some of those games where he doesn't seem to feature. And he does he does he does have those games, doesn't he? Where he, he he's not you know, you wonder what he's done. He sort of floats around and doesn't do a lot. But um, you know, when he when he's on, he's really on, isn't he? And um obviously I thought he was uh, he was he was vital yesterday. What was interesting, James, is the fact that he wasn't playing in the central position. At least he wasn't supposed to be playing there. I mean he did spend a lot of time out on the right and he often drifted in. Yeah. But he was you know, it, it, it Belies that myth that he's can only play yeah, exactly. through the middle, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think you're right because he was, you know, he was on the right right side of the front three. But I think the beauty of Firmino when he's bang on it, like he was on on Sunday afternoon, is he, he's all over the place. You know, I think that's one of the reasons that Klopp loves him so much. Is you know, he he, he drifts inside. He's he's so intelligent with his movement. You know, finding pockets of space and you know. He's twelve goals now, which obviously betters his tally for for last season. But I think you know the other stat which jumped out at me was that I think he's now created sixty nine chances this season uh, in the Premier League, which is a you know an amazing total. Um, you know, which just shows you know he's so much more than a than a finisher. You know, he's 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 a real creative force for this this Liverpool team. And you know, he, you know he, he 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 was all over the place. There were times when he popped up on the left, he was on the right. Through the middle, um, you know, I think it helped him as well that Origi was was much improved. Um, but yeah, for, you know, when you think, you know, I think a lot of fans would have approached Stoke and West Brom with a sense of trepidation, especially on the back of the news of Sadio Mane's season being over. But Firmino, you know, a number of players have stepped up and delivered, but none more so than Firmino. I was going to mention that, uh, Andy, that James mentions that a number of players who've stepped up and delivered. He mentioned just in passing Origi then, but there was three other players that I've just made a note of here. Emre Chan, uh, Lucas Lever, and we mentioned Simon Mignolet. If you'd have said at the start of the season, coming down to the last five, six games of the season, that these were going to be key players for Liverpool in the chase for a top you know, top three finish, what would you have said for that? Well, I, I don't think... I think Chan is a surprise only because of um, his poor form earlier in the season. I mean, I think... Many people have had high hopes for Emery Chan since he arrived at the club. He had a dip start of the season, potentially through obviously he had some injury problems. Uh, Klopp spoken about his calf, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. And that took a while. Obviously, he played in the summer in the Euros. Um, not a huge amount of football, but you're training, you're mentally have the opportunity to be. He ended up playing in the semi final, didn't he? So um, I think he, he looked a bit tired. What he has done in the past few weeks, where his, his physique, has has come into its own, hasn't he? He's looked like someone who's I'm going to get into midfield and I'm going to win my battle. And if you if you go in with that mentality, football can be a relatively simple game if you just go in there and think I'm going to win my battle and everything else can come off that. And Chan's basically been winning his battles the last couple of weeks. But in some ways, the games have suited him because I mean I noted I looked at some of his statistics that he's he's obviously very good in the air and he's he's quite good at dropping back and helping out defensively. Certainly at West Brom he did that. But look at the games West Brom, Stoke, Everton's always a battle. Uh, Burnley was a go- game where he he did well and scored. These are games that kind of suited his game, aren't they? Absolutely, and you could probably apply that to Lucas as well, can't you? Because where Lucas for me struggles is a game where he needs to be creative, isn't it? It's not really his game. He's there to break up play, everything else. Um, but having, I have to say, a midfield of of Lucas, 
Chan Wijnaldum filled me with fear um, whenever um, Lalana got injured, and uh, obviously Henderson's still out, um, and they've certainly proved me wrong. Uh, but those games, as you mentioned, I think that has helped. But Chan has been the thing I love about Chan is he gets into battles and he takes a few knocks, and you know people can take the Mickey out of him for his hair and never having a a strand out of place. He would never do that. No. But when he when he gets a whack chat or whatever, and you know gets involved in in stuff. I mean, there was uh, there was one a couple of weeks ago where he saved someone getting sent off by getting up quick. I'm trying to remember which it's one. Williams it was. wasn't it? Yeah, in in, in the derby. Oh, I think was, it, was it was it Barkley? I think it's Williams. He didn't get up too, too quick. He he got injured. I think in that one. Yeah, but he but he, he and I like that in Liverpool players. Do you know what I mean? I, I know that. There's a gamesmanship aspect to staying down, getting sent off, all that stuff. Well, I haven't got time for that. You know, if you're a Liverpool player, you know, get up and if if you can and and play on, and ultimately you get your rewards for that. Referees, well, at some point, we'll see. Look at Chan; he could have stayed down. He got up. Next time I referee him, I know that if he's down or goes down, I know that he's been properly fouled. And you know that that, that referees are always watching these games for little things like that, and that's why um, you know you can you will eventually get your rewards. I think. I mean, the one thing about Emre Chan, even though we spoke about him so many times this season, is that I think we've all agreed, I think it was Neil that made the point, Neil Jones, that he's got tremendous self-belief. Even when things aren't going particularly well, he still believes that he can do it. And that kind of has helped him through that difficult period, hasn't it? Yeah, he, he never hides in games, does he? I think you know, he, even even when he was struggling, you know, he'd always want the ball and try and make stuff happen. I think you know, even, at, even at Leicester, <coughs> which... Leicester away seems a long time ago now, and at the, you know at the time that felt like such a damaging defeat for Liverpool. And as it is, they've since taken the, was it seventeen, 17 out, from twenty one, twenty one yeah. since. Um, but even even that night, I felt on a, on a night where there were so many poor performances around him, he he was the one outfield player in that second half who was still demanding the ball, still trying to make things happen. Um, and, and he has been a real big player for Liverpool over the last few months, and. You know, I think earlier on in the season when you know, the contract talks pretty much broke down because it was such a gulf between what he was, what his representatives were asking for, and what was on the table from Liverpool. I think, you know, the the word was then that you know they would they would meet again at the end of the season to discuss things. And you know, I I think I I think a compromise will definitely be reached now because you know I, I think he he will have proved well, he has proved already any any doubts that Liverpool may have had about. You know, his importance going forward, and I think also, I think for Chan, you know, the way that he's flourished in this Liverpool team under Klopp, and the way that his game's kicked on, you know, he'd be stupid to even think about going elsewhere. Um, so, you know, I, 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 maybe they will still wait to the end of the season because, you know, I don't think you necessarily want that distraction when there's still five games to play. But you know, hopefully, when the dust has settled in late May, that or that new deal will be be signed because I think Chan has. Proved, you know, even his fiercest critics would have to admit that, that he's that he uh, he's shown that he deserves to be part of this Liverpool team going forward. Now, chance improvement, Andy, has coincided though with certain Jordan Henderson not being in the team. Now, there's always been the suggestion that perhaps the pair, and certainly with Henderson now having seemingly transformed into what Christian calls a number six. Uh, that seems to be Chan's best position as well, doesn't it? So they can't both play in the same position. Although it has to be said that against West Brom, and when Lucas has been playing, Lucas has been the deeper. Yeah, as you'd expect. I mean, Lucas is a very defensive-minded midfield. But, but is, is there any coincidence with the fact that Chan's improved when Henderson's not playing, or or is it a case of I don't good, think good, so. good players 
should always have. I just think time. maybe mentally he's felt like he can be more of a leader and step up in the in the thing, and perhaps more of Liverpool's play goes through him. And um, you know, Wijnaldum is someone who tends to play the ball very simple, doesn't he? And in in the best possible way, I think you know, he gets the ball under control incredibly quickly, passes it simple, moves to pick it up again or whatever. And I think. Uh, Chan can then be a bit more of a driver in the team and work round Wijnaldum and uh, um, he loves those forays, doesn't he? He gets a gallop on Chan, doesn't he? he you know, in, when he's at his best and takes him a little bit to get going. It does. He's not, you know, he's not your nippiest over five yards. But um, I, I honestly think it's that the, there's no problem for me in terms of Chan and Henderson playing together. I just think that that Chan has run into form at this time, whereas. When Henderson was generally there, Chan was still struggling with these calf problems, uh, and he wasn't at his best. And he's just played himself into form and uh, made up for him, to be honest. That brings us to uh, to Mignolet, James. I mean, he, he made one good save you mentioned from from Matt Phillips. But to be fair, by the way, you notice that that save was with his leg, mm. and the two against Stoke was with his leg. So maybe you should just not <laughs> not, not not use his hands anymore. But no, he was uh, good. Uh, he, uh, he was yeah. So. Precisely not because. The old punch. Well, I was about was, to say, yeah. the punch is what came through. I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago when if a keeper came out with just punching everything, people would be going absolutely spurs, like, why didn't you catch it? But this goes back to, we were at the Burnley game on Boxing Day, I think it's two and a half years ago now, when he, uh, he came on a sub, he'd been, you know, he'd been dropped for Brad Jones, then got yeah. injured. The ball goes over the uh, the line with you know, the corner thing. That was just ridiculous. But he did a sit-down with us um, couple of weeks after that and he explained how that was like a turning point where he said right I'm just going to be decisive about yeah, everything yeah. He said he was overthinking. Be, yeah, yeah he's overthinking stuff and that's come into his game you know he has one or two two bricks but then that's what all goalkeepers like that all goalkeepers will drop one in like he did against Hull and stuff like that but since then he hasn't really made a mistake and do you feel as though in his mind he's now the number one goalkeeper for Liverpool yeah 100% I think he's I think also he's his form since he's come back into the side in December, aside from that that error at, at Hull, um, you know I don't, I, I, he hasn't he hasn't done anything wrong. I don't think since then. Um, you know I think he's he's well and truly shown that he he deserves to be Liverpool's number one going into next season. Um, you know I think he has this 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 at the moment is definitely his best spell of of his Anfield career. Um, I think it's I think. I think you know. I think he's been fired up by almost like a sense of injustice as well. I think, you know, he 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 definitely felt that he was unfairly treated when he lost his place in September, and that you know I think he was waiting for that opportunity to come round and and he's and he's taken it and you know I think he probably has shown kind of mental strength and resilience that some people probably doubted whether he did have and you know I think he's just he has been a lot more decisive. You know, he, he his, his decision making. Has, has improved a lot. I think you know it, certainly in two really tough away games. You know he's he's kind of spread calmness rather than than panic, which is what he's accused of at times. You know his kicking has has definitely improved this season. Um, you know and, and he's still relatively young in goalkeeping terms. Mm. And you know I, I know some people all say oh it's it's just two good games and you've got well, to judge not, him over it's his. Not, it's, no, not, it's, it's, it's not. It's not. You know he, it, the bottom line is he's actually had a very good season. Mm. You know he's. If you if you add up the, the big saves that he's made in big games that, that have earned Liverpool points, 
You know, he's earned Liverpool a lot more points than he's, he's cost them. And um, did, you, did you recently do that for, for an article? I did, I did. <laughs> and got an awful lot of abuse <laughs> yeah, yes. for it. Um, and it's about was... perceptions. I mean, we, I remember there was a, we did a pod a while back where we spoke to Christian and he said that even if Mignolet saved 29 penalties in the last game of the season that earned Liverpool the league or whatever it was, that there will be people who would never ever be won over by him. Do you feel as though there always will be that? Yeah, I think so. I think, and what I don't really get my head around is, like people, like I had a lot of people when I wrote that piece last week saying, you know, f- you know, forget it, bin him off, got to buy Joe Hart. Well, you know, I, I just don't. I don't. Carol's Carol's on about Joe Hart over the weekend, I just, wasn't he? I mean, get, Joe, Joe Hart is basically the English Simon Mignolet. Uh, no, 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 no. Mignolet is miles better than Hart for me, and I mean, as soon as Hart let that trickler from from Adam Lallana through his. When he was at the city keeper, when even Klopp on the sidelines had a look of shock on his face that went in, I don't think there was any chance of Jurgen Klopp thinking that lad down the Anfield road end. We must get him in. No. I mean, he was he was, and didn't he throw one in for uh, he, for Torino? He, he, he but that's just that's just a goalkeeper. This is yeah. the whole point. A goalkeeper will make mistakes, and if he's a goalkeeper, his mistakes are invariably going to lead to a goal. But my view on Mignolet is that the if you look at that good save from Phillips. You can't make your opinion up on Mignolet on the basis of that of, of a save against Phillips where quite easily his trailing leg might not have got the right connection on that save and you know it could have flicked off his leg and gone in or whatever because those are ones where you know a goalkeeper he's obviously tried to make Phillips go that side and then he's dived into the space it's you know sort of standard goalkeeping technique um, and, a, and, a, and a player who's better at finishing than Matt Phillips sort of Let's the keeper commit himself that side and just sort of takes it one step to the left and slides it in at the near post, probably. But your opinion on Mignolet should be founded on those those punches. That's where that's where he's improved his game and become a much better goalkeeper. Um, I think there was a stat on social media earlier that um, the four, they all live these stats. four punches, I think, was his highest number since Boxing Day 2014. So two and a half years since he's come out. And, Which is and Burnley, the Burnley game. Probably, yeah, <laughs> since he came out and, and um, produced four punches like that. And I, and I think, James talking about, you know, or yourself, Ian, about, you know, people going mad when you used to punch. It all depends on the standard of a punch. I mean, Pepe really used to punch it to the halfway line, didn't he? And, you know, that was just as good as grabbing it yourself. Um, but if you get a weak punch and it falls to someone, then you're in trouble. But uh, his punching and his commitment on cross balls has been improved all season. It's just a, it's such a pity that it almost took the end of his Liverpool career being in sight, which must have been in his mind, mustn't it? Um, yeah. You know that it sort of took took that to almost put this rocket under him, where he just thought, you know, this is I can do this, and he's been. If he produced the season he's produced this season as his first season at, at you know at Liverpool, people would be pretty much thinking we've got a tremendously good goalkeeper on our hands. But it's it's that background perception, and I know um, you know it, it'll only take one mistake, which every goalkeeper's got in him, as we said, where a lot of people will be calling for him to go again. Final thing on, on Mignolet, maybe I'm reading a bit too much into this, which would be very much unlike me. Um, James, you obviously speak quite a lot with him, and it's fair to say that he's quite a calm individual. He's quite—he doesn't come across as the most passionate in his everyday dealings. But 
you saw his reaction at the end of the last two games. We've seen pictures, we've seen it on television. He's like, he's punching and he's screaming. This is after the game's finished. Yeah, yeah. You and know, he's, and got, he's not the kind of player you know, who do that for show. Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that just shows just how much it, it means to him. The, the fact that he has made two such big contributions in two games where I'm sure he knew that he was going to be under the spotlight probably more than any other player in those two games and that he would have known that, that Stoke and West Brom part of their game plan would have been to target him, to try and rough him up, to unsettle him, to test him out with those with those high balls. As Andy said, you know, an area of his game where he's taken a lot of stick over for not commanding his box well enough. So I think you know, for him to come through that, and you know, I think he, he I, I spoke to him. He gave an interview after the, the Stoke game, and he said he, he said he, you know, he says it's not very often as a goalkeeper you get that feeling that you've scored a goal. And you know because he he felt like you know he played such a a big part in Liverpool winning the game and you know I think he had that feeling again on the weekend, and he he deserves all the the plaudits that have come his way because you know he has had some real periods of struggle at Liverpool you know crisis of confidence and all the rest of it but you know he he's playing with real confidence at the moment and I, I don't think a goalkeeper should be on Klopp's summer shopping list. One thing that's not really been mentioned in terms of affecting Mignolet has been. The centre backs in front of him. When I was about to come to that. Yeah, and the inability of Liverpool to create a partnership that has any longevity. Now, I think for it's, th- it's 13 games, Premier League games they've played together. I think it is. And that's uh, Matip and Lovren. And they Liverpool haven't, haven't lost, it, have they? They haven't lost one, though. No. Yeah. Although I think they've only kept three clean sheets in that time, or three or four. I think it was the fourth yeah. one. You've got and to that build. Was, and that was only the second clean sheet in the last 14. Yeah, which isn't good enough. And, you know. Clean sheets are, are going to be at the heart of Liverpool trying to take a step further forward next season. Um, but I'm trying to envisage Mignolet playing behind you know, a dominant partnership. That could be potentially Lover and Matip getting better, or potentially one of them, presumed, probably Matip, uh, yeah. if truth be told, playing alongside you know, a high-purchase centre-half, a Virgil van Dijk type, if you like. Possibly Virgil van Dijk, who knows? But um, that would and if if you've got a Mignolet in the, his current form behind a settled two who are playing, I think that's pretty solid for Liverpool. Um, you know, we know Klein solid at right back, um, potentially with Alexander Arnold backing him up, and then you're probably looking at trying to find some strength in depth at left back. You had to get Trent in there, didn't you? <laughs> um, one thing, interesting thing that Jurgen Klopp said after the game in his press conference, he was talking about West Brom's ability at set pieces and everybody's scared of like conceding them. And he's saying that what that helps them is that they've actually got quite a few decent footballers. You know, probably Chris Brunt, you could count it amongst them. Is that because you don't want to concede any free kicks, you take a step back and you allow the footballers to play. And that kind of underlines not so much with West Brom, but with any team that if you are good off set pieces you can then play more football because other teams will not want to concede set pieces, give away silly fouls, and it gives you more room in which to perform. I mean, Liverpool, the irony of ironies, of course, that James, they got their goal off a set piece, which I'm not exactly sure it was a training ground, (laughs) but but, uh, they got there in the end. It it was ironic, wasn't it, that the game's kind of decisive contribution came from a a set piece like that. I think think what what was interesting was that how few set piece opportunities Liverpool actually gave away. Mm. I think you know, I think was it was it two the, corners it, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. it was an hour before West Brom had a corner. Um and you know and even you know I, th- I think you know Liverpool stood there was obviously a kind of half a dozen long throws I think from Phillips but the way they dealt with them 
and you know, I think Lucas gave an interview after the game where he said, you know, they spent a lot of time at Melwood last week working on, um, you know, working on defending high balls, and you know, this. So I think, yeah, that would have been satisfying for Klopp the fact that that paid off to that extent, and you know, and also to get one uh, in the manner that they did, especially when you think of the height in the West Brom side, you wouldn't have. Liverpool scoring from a flicked-on free kick towards the back post with the number of six-footers that the Baggies have got. Well, Liverpool improving their own set-pieces, surely that's going to help them be able to defend set-pieces because they're going to be doing them on the training ground all the time, they, aren't they? They are. Well, we spoke to Klopp on Thursday and he said they'd spent all of Wednesday at Melwood working on set-pieces and um, the and that was it on both sides of the ball, if you like. And um, I came away thinking that Liverpool definitely had a chance of scoring from a set-piece. In did you write that? The the, the rationale. <laughs> well, I, I did actually write it in the um, in our match blog, uh, and I suggested people have a bet on them. Um, Lovren and Matip to score just as the centre half, the tallest players. You think probably have the best chance from um, from set pieces, and of course scored from a set piece, but it was neither of those two players. But there's also the thought that Liverpool were likely to have most of the ball, and are likely to have the ball around the West Brom. Um, box quite a bit so you're going to get a couple of free kicks and you're going to get a few corners and Liverpool I think Preno is the master of knowing these stats but I think Liverpool have absolutely dominated corner uh, domination this season against most people haven't they I think so they were going to be getting balls into the box and when you add Lucas into the mix of Matip and Loverett you've already got Chan in there who's decently tall as well we've got a and Origi's not the smallest we've scored a few headed goals so um, Liverpool do have a threat they don't score Klopp mentioned this in the last couple of weeks, didn't he, that Liverpool don't score as many set-pieces as they probably should. I think that was 12 or 13 they scored from... Well, uh, don't, most teams don't really score that many from set-pieces, given how many they get. It's just that the actual amount of goals scored, the proportion of them that are set-pieces, is, is, is reasonably high. Yeah, well, I think that's Liverpool have pretty much now, I think, have scored from one more than they conceded or something like, something like that. But, um, you know, it, it is always going to be difficult at places like West Brom because they... Uh, but Liverpool on the um, away from home have been pretty decent at defending set pieces. The the majority of goals Liverpool have conceded from set pieces, and this is relevant as we head into Crystal Palace, have been at Anfield this season. It's a story that uh, we did on the on the on the Echo site uh, about a week ten days ago, which is which is interesting. Really, I think it's probably because teams who come to Anfield almost see set pieces very much even more as their their only chance maybe of getting goals and will really commit to them and um, and obviously Liverpool haven't been great at defending them at Anfield Now another piece that appeared on the Echo website at the weekend was written by Fine Self Andrew and that regards Philippe Coutinho yep. uh, and basically su- suggesting or stating that Liverpool aren't interested in selling him at any price and basically Barcelona can do one despite the continued efforts led this week were led to believe by Lionel Messi to try and get him to uh, Camp Nou. Yeah, well, most of the Barcelona side have had a, had a go. I mean, Neymar seems to be on a percentage of the fee if he moves. This is Messi, mate, though, not uh, Yeah, I mean, there was reports in, in Spain late, uh, late in the week um, that Liverpool were in advanced talks with Barcelona about selling Coutinho this summer. And um, we had spoken to Klopp a bit about, uh, on Thursday, about the links with Coutinho. Um, and he 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 was very relaxed about it. He sees links for Coutinho as a sign that he's in good form and he's a player that others covet. But he really sees uh, Coutinho as someone who's very comfortable at the moment at Liverpool. Um, and you know, Liverpool have been keen to stress that Barcelona have been given the message that he's not for sale, Coutinho, and there've been no talks. 
and they don't want to sell them uh, whatever the price. Now, um, you would expect that to be the end of it and you'd hope it would be the end of it. This is football. We know strange things happen. Um, and ultimately, my my belief, and this is just a personal opinion, is that every player has their, has their price. You know, if someone comes and offers... You know something crazy, hundred fifty million or hundred million or whatever for Philip Coutinho, then any team who has that type of player and it looks like a, a silly money bid, you probably end up having to take. But if we li- if you live in the real world, um, Liverpool have n- have no in- uh, no intention of, of selling Philippe Coutinho and his. I think for that piece, I dug out his quotes that he gave in January, saying how happy he was at Liverpool and wanted to stay here for a few more years. Jay, what's your take on the whole Coutinho Barcelona thing? Yeah, I, I, I 100% think he'll be a Liverpool player still next season. Um, for two reasons, really. I think one, I think Liverpool are in a really strong position on the fact that he, he signed that new contract just two or three months ago. You know, sort of, I think the big, the big pay rise that he gets doesn't even kick in till till July. I think July the first or something. Um, so you know, and the fact that there's no buyout clause, you know that. That's a big thing because I know when he signed the contract, people said, "Oh yeah, we've seen it all before." Same thing happened with Suarez. Signed the contract six months later. See you. See you later. Um, but that, that's a diff- big difference here because you know the, the fact is Liverpool hold all the cards. Coutinho also, you know, Suarez had, had you know had tried to engineer a move previously and you know had, had made it clear that Barcelona was his his dream and all the rest of it. Coutinho's never never said he's never gave any, any indication whatsoever. That he's anything other than happy at Liverpool, um, and I also don't think you know I, I don't think he's quite at a level either now, at the moment where Barcelona would make the kind of offer. As Andy said, every player has got, has got his price, but I don't think Barcelona would I don't, would, would put I don't know say eighty or ninety million pound on the table, uh, and and or or say to Liverpool right name your price for him because you know I, I think he's had a an up and down season. And he was. One of the best players in the Premier League for three or four months before he got injured, really struggled to get back to the level he was at. Um, so no, I, I think, I think he knows he's in the best place. Liverpool are relaxed about it. I, I still think the stories won't go away. Um, but yeah, I, I fully expect Coutinho to still be a Liverpool player next season. Well, you were in Barcelona last week. Uh, did anybody approach you and try and tap you up? Uh, I, I can't offer any comment on that at the moment. <laughs> No. Refuse to deny suggestions. <laughs> I think you're fine. There was one just going to Coutinho. There was one bit in the game uh, on Sunday where he, I can't remember. I think it was Jakob where he just dropped his shoulder and went away from him. And even the home fans were like, you know, that, you kind of get that murmur of appreciation of like oh, that was a good piece of skill because he does seem to be getting, as you just mentioned, and he is more. The last couple of weeks, while he didn't get the goal, he has scored quite a few goals recently. Yeah. He's just been far more on it, hasn't he? Yeah, the you know the Merseyside derby was a felt like a huge step forward for him, didn't it? And you know, especially on the on, the, and I think you know, before that he scored, didn't he, for Brazil? Which mm. I think the, the other his teammates kind of have spoken about how you know they noticed a change in him when he came back from those internationals that that had given him a, a real injection of belief. Um, so yeah, he, you know, and he's going to be very important. To you know, it's been you know, Firmino has, has scored the the two winners in the last couple of weeks, but Coutinho certainly. Certainly played his part, and he's he's going to be very important to get Liverpool over the over the line in this, the, you know, the final stages of this top four race. Right, well, just uh, Andrew, you want no, to say I just want to say he get he clearly gets a real joy out of playing for Brazil and being important for Brazil, doesn't he? And um, for all that we all hate um, international breaks, 
Um, this one was godsend for Liverpool in terms of um, Coutinho's form, and he came back, came back a different player almost, and uh, that goal for Brazil uh, really matters to him, making a contribution to his country, and uh, that has that has given him a spark that nothing else has uh, since he came back from injury. Final thing then, just looking at the the race for the top four. Um, United beat Chelsea. That wasn't a particularly great result, was it, for Liverpool? City won again. Everton won again. I mean, Arsenal playing a bit later after we record this, but we have to assume they're going to beat Middlesbrough. Even Arsenall can't lose to Middlesbrough, surely. No, so it, so it, it's, it's all you it's would say is Middlesbrough didn't get beat at the Emirates, did they? I think they got a nil-nil or something. Uh, that's um, true, so but, but they are absolutely terrible now. They, 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 they've they gone are, backwards They are from almost them. as bad as Sunderland. But it is the... the, you know, but, the but the point being, the point being... It wasn't a perfect it, it, weekend with well, other results. The point being is that it's, we've mentioned that Liverpool probably only need to win another thing. We've worked it out four games or whatever it was. But everybody else keeps on winning. And I know we're going to come to a point soon where, say, United have played Chelsea. United, no, have, yeah. got, United like, have got, United got, United got to play City yeah. and Arsenal and yeah. Tottenham. And you know, a couple of them are going to play each other now, so they can't all win. Liverpool don't need to worry about anybody else. This is the thing. We'll talk about this more when we uh, preview Crystal Palace, uh, whichever is in the pod. Uh, on Thursday or Friday for that but um, Liverpool have to concentrate on their own business um, they've got Middlesbrough on the last day of the season right I'm going to work on the basis if we need to beat Middlesbrough at Anfield on the last day of the season to make Champions League forget it that's happening right so that leaves you four <laughs> games that leaves you four games I thought you just said Middlesbrough just got a point at the Emirates. They did, but but they're not. <laughs> they'll you know, be relegated. But, but you forget we went we went to Middlesbrough and beat them three 0 in one of our better performances uh, yeah. around that time. And um, so don't worry about that. Then you've got Crystal Palace this weekend. Now that that offers something different than the games against Stoke and West Brom for me, in the sense that Stoke and West Brom neither of them have been in good form. Um, Crystal Palace have been in excellent form. Mm. Yes, Mamadou Sakho has been a part of that. But well, they've been scoring goals. Sahar's been playing well. Um, Big Ben Teke had another impact on that. I think he had more touches inside the box than any other player in the Premier League at the weekend, Christian Ben Teke. So, um, and for all it didn't work out for him at Liverpool, he still scored goals and scored, I think, um, you know, he's, he, he had... I think we all, he, knew, we all knew that in the right team. Yeah, he's exactly. Got and, he, yeah. and he will be a danger. He will be a danger at Anfield on Sunday. And we'll, uh, so we'll probably talk about this later in the week. So, You've got to go and do your business against Crystal Palace and a side who we've struggled against at Anfield in the last few years. Um, you know, they ruined Gerard's last game, didn't they? And, uh, uh, and, and Christian cried a little bit. We, we don't talk about that. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you've got that. Southampton coming to Anfield. Obviously, we've played them is it three times this year and haven't scored yeah. a goal yet. So that's another a hurdle to take. And then you've got a tough enough job going to... Um, Vicarage Road, haven't we, uh, as well. So, But for me, it's in Liverpool's hands and just concentrate on winning your own games and don't worry about those other sides. James, yeah. do you have anything else to add? Only, only that Liverpool are in a fantastic position. I know you said you know, everyone else won as well, but you wouldn't swap Liverpool's no, position. No, they've got the points, haven't they? They've yeah. got the points. Yeah. It's always... And United, I know United performed brilliantly to beat Chelsea, but you know, with the running they've got and and the Europa League as well. I don't just don't see them winning enough games to, to get into the top four. Winning the Europa League is their best hope. Uh, you know, Man City, I, you know, I, I still think third is realistic for Liverpool. There he is, the, the positive James. I, I, I do, honestly. I just think also, you know, who do you want to play at this time of the year? You want to play teams that don't have anything to play for. As well as Liverpool did and the resilience they showed at Stoke and West Brom, 
it certainly helped the fact that both those clubs are safe. Mm. And you could, you know, the atmosphere was so flat at the Hawthorns because they had nothing to play for that helped. Now Palace, okay, they they're not completely out of trouble, but you know they've they've done enough really to pull themselves out or out of the trouble. Southampton, you know, I think they'll have the flip flops on. Uh, Watford, West Ham away, you know, two two trips to two mid table teams. Liverpool have got the, the the best running. If they messed it up from here, it, it would be um, you know, a horrendous failure. To be and honest, that, without wishing to alarm anybody, though, Liverpool's record last season: at home to Crystal Palace, they lost. Southampton yeah. at home, they drew. West Ham away, they lost, and Watford away, they lost. But Liverpool are a different team now. Yeah, um, I, I agree with James. I think third is possible. The problem is that Man City's run in is is very easy once they get United out of the way so that and, and I think they're in good form they did a good job on Southampton on the weekend um, so it's going to be tough um, but um, it would be ideal you take fourth now but it would be ideal to avoid because you're going into a playoff which I haven't looked at the dates of that playoff um, a few days ago um, Be this to book them off? It would um, if, no. This would be to see um, you know where it falls in the early part of the season, and um, Liverpool um, would be playing their Premier League opener, and then I think going into a Champions League qualifier midweek after that, yeah. and the following midweek after that as well. Um, so that is not an ideal start to the season because it 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 sees you splitting um, your priorities, and uh, those sorts of uh, things can can catch you out and. There's going to be several good teams in that draw for um, for that qualifying place, so it won't be anyone it won't be anyone easy. Put it that way. So um, yeah, go for it, and uh, never mind fourth. Let's push on, try and get third. Right, that should do us. Join us later this week where we will look ahead to Crystal Palace game. Cheerio. Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 21,50 per maand met de iPhone SE 32 gigabyte. Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes en 1000 MB 4G internet. Kijk op ben.nl Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.